Gracious Father, indeed, O Lord, we could look at the words written in the Bible, and yet, O Lord, without your help, all of it would be fruitless. All of it would be for nothing, O Lord, if we had not your help. Indeed, O Lord, we need your help in all things, and indeed, particularly to look at your word, that we might understand it, that we might know the truths contained in it, that those truths might become all the more real to us, that you might impress it upon our hearts, that they might become convictions deep within us, and that, O Lord, it would create love within our hearts, love for you, love for your spirit, and here particularly love for your Saviour and your Son, for our Saviour and your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Indeed, we pray all these things in his name. Amen. What do you value? What do you highly esteem? In this life, there are things and there are people that we value more. And the things that we value more, we can spend more time and energy doing them. We invest in them more. If I value fitness, I would go regularly to the gym or I'd regularly exercise. If I value junk food, I might turn out the opposite. We invest time and energy and money in the things we value. We plan our life to fit them in. And if we value them even more, we plan our life around them. And as we look at today at the kingdom of God, we will see how valuable this kingdom is. And Jesus tells us two parables to highlight this. First, the parable of the hidden treasure. And secondly, the parable of the pearl of great value or the pearl of great price. Now, earlier in this chapter in Matthew 13, Jesus has been speaking in parables to the crowds. His words divide. They they distinguish. They leave no room for, for gray. And he's told parables such as the parable of the four soils or the parable of the weeds among the wheat or the parable of the mustard seed or the parable of the leaven. And now we see Jesus, he goes into the house and here we don't see the crowds, we see just his intimate small group of disciples and he told them another set of parables including the two that we're looking at today. And he's revealing further truths about the kingdom to them. So read with me again verse 44 to 46. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. So today I have three main points, and the first of which is the nature of the kingdom. And as we look at this, we will unpack it and see what makes the kingdom so valuable. So firstly, the nature of The kingdom, the nature of the kingdom. What is the kingdom of heaven? Throughout the Gospels, Jesus has preached 
the gospel of the kingdom. John the Baptist and Jesus both said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, repent. Jesus preached it. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus promised it. He said to even see or enter the kingdom of heaven, you must be born again. He says not only you must enter the kingdom of heaven, but you can only do it by God's help. He said, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Jesus tells us to prioritize it. Jesus says to pray like this, your kingdom come. Jesus tells us to pray for it. So it's important that we know what this kingdom is, if we're to seek it, if we're to pray about it, if we're to enter it, if we're to have it and look forward to it. What is this kingdom of heaven? Now, a kingdom is that which a king rules over, his sphere of dominion, and that which his subjects are in. And a kingdom has both a place and it has a king. It has where you are, and it has someone to rule over it. And in this world, we have various kingdoms. But spiritually speaking, there are only two kingdoms. There are only two kingdoms. And by nature, we're born into one kingdom. And when we're saved, we're brought into another kingdom. By nature, we are born in a place and we have a king. And God takes us into another kingdom with a place and a king. By nature, we're born in this sinful world, this broken, sinful world. And there's only one king of this sinful world ruling over it in one sense. In, in one sense, God rules over everything, and yet it says that there's a prince of this world. The prince of this sinful world is Satan. So by nature, we are in this kingdom. But by God's grace, We are taken, we are transferred, as it says, into another kingdom. And this place is no longer, in a sense, under the sinful world. It's in Christ. It's in Christ. It's saved. To be saved, it's to be in fellowship with him. And the king of this kingdom is Christ himself. And so what it means to be in the kingdom of God is to be in Christ and to be under Christ. It means to be in him and under his rule. And the second thing we see about the nature of this kingdom is that it's a hidden kingdom. As you can see in the first parable, it says the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. Where is it hidden? It's hidden in the field. Now, in the Bible, field can be used for the world. But here it's talking specifically about the Bible. It's treasure hidden in a field. It's treasure that is hidden in the word of God. Jesus, when he was talking to the Pharisees in John's gospel, said this, You search the scriptures because in them you think that you have eternal life. But it is them that point to me. He said that they searched the scriptures and in there we find the truth about the kingdom of God. That is the field in which the treasure, the truth about the kingdom of God, the truth about Christ is to be found. But why is it hidden? 
Why is it hidden? It's right there, isn't it? Why is it hidden? Well, the Bible talks about this and says that by nature we are spiritually blind. We cannot see the truth about the kingdom of God. We cannot understand it. We we don't know it. And it says that Satan has blinded us to the truth of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Where is it hidden? It's hidden in the field of the word of God. Why is it hidden? Because by nature we can't see it. But surely, thirdly, how can it be found? How can it be found? Well, Jesus said, you search the scriptures. He said that to the Pharisees. The problem was not with the Pharisees searching the scriptures. That is good. The problem was the fact that they were blind. How can it be found? Well, if you have a look at the second parable, it says again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking or searching for fine pearls. And so the first thing that we must do, our great and responsibility, is to search for it diligently. The Pharisees were right to search, but they needed one thing more. They needed help from God himself. So for our part, we need to diligently seek it, we need to diligently search it, but we also need help from God. As John... um, Sorry, as Joel was preaching from the Gospel of John um, about a month ago, he said this as he was preaching. It says it from John 6. No one, the words of Jesus, no one can come to me, says Jesus, unless the Father who sent me draws him. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. No one. No one can come to Christ, as it said a few verses down, unless they learn from the Father. So not only must we seek it, but we must learn from the Father. The Father must teach us. So if you find yourself here and you are not saved, if you do not know the truth about the kingdom of God, you must first seek it. You must search for it as for hidden treasure. You must search for it as fine pearls. As was read for us, just earlier from Proverbs, the book of Proverbs. It says this, My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, and if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. And find the knowledge of God. So you see, we must search for it. As for hidden treasure, we must look for it as for silver. The thing is, it doesn't change if you're a Christian. If you are saved, if you are a Christian, you must search for it and seek it all the more. As Paul said to the church at Ephesus, his prayer for them was that they might come to an even greater knowledge in the wisdom and revelation of God. That they might come to know the truth more. That they they might come to know the love of Christ more. The secrets of the kingdom are given to us that we might come to Christ. But ongoing revealing of Christ does not come to the lazy to those who do not earnestly seek for it, to those who would take the easy route and look and see, uh, 
search and seek after other things. But as we will see, it is worth everything. It is worth everything. So firstly, we have seen the nature of the kingdom. And secondly, we see the value of the kingdom. Because if we're to seek it, it has to be worth something. Because if it wasn't worth something, we wouldn't seek it. So first we see in Matthew that it's compared to treasure. Now this word doesn't mean just a few small gold coins. It means a storehouse of treasure, a treasure trove. This isn't just any old trinket that the man has found. And if you have ever read or watched The Hobbit, think of it like this. The dragon in the book or movie of The Hobbit is sitting on treasure. And he's not just sitting on a couple of coins. He's not just sitting on a couple of golden cups and a few coins. No, he's sitting on mountains and mountains of gold. Mountains and mountains of treasure. This is what it is. This is how precious the kingdom of God is. This is how precious Christ and his kingdom is. So what makes this kingdom of God valuable? What makes this kingdom worth so very much? Firstly, the type of kingdom. The type of kingdom makes it valuable. It is a kingdom unlike any other in this world. It is a kingdom that is not of this world. It is a kingdom that cannot be shaken. It is a kingdom that cannot pass away. It is a kingdom that is not physical and limited. It doesn't come and go like the wind. No, it is an eternal kingdom. A supernatural, a spiritual kingdom. Secondly, we see the promises of this kingdom make it so valuable. In the word of God, we see that those who are in this kingdom receive promises Promises that are very, very great indeed. God has promised to place his law within us and to write it upon his heart, upon our hearts. God has promised that all his people will know him from the very least to the greatest. He has promised that he will remember our sin no more and that he will forgive us all of our sins. He has promised a new heart to us. He has promised to give us a spirit to help us obey. He has promised to give us eternal life and assurance and joy and peace. It goes on and on and on. Promises of the kingdom make it so valuable. These are not, these are not promises of any other kingdom. But thirdly, the far greatest thing that makes the kingdom of God so valuable. If we had the first two, it would make it greater than anything else. But if we have this third thing, it far surpasses the first two. And that is, the value of this kingdom is found in the king of this kingdom. Christ. In him is found everything. It says in him are found all the riches of wisdom and knowledge. 
God says that the riches of his grace are found, all of them, in Christ. All the riches, all the treasure that we need is found in him. He is perfect in his character. He is perfect in love, in purity, in in mercy, in holiness, in justice, in righteousness, in faithfulness. There is not a single blemish, spot, imperfection in this king. He is perfect in all of his actions. All that he does comes out of his character. And so he rules with perfect justice and wisdom and, and faithfulness. He's perfect in his death and his resurrection for us. He is perfect in his offices. He is a perfect prophet, perfectly speaking to us the very words of God. He is a perfect high priest who perfectly atoned for us and sacrificed himself for us and intercedes for us now. He is a perfect king ruling with perfect justice and faithfulness as he sits in heaven right now. Paul said that he would preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. The glory and value of this kingdom is Christ. Is Christ. It is also described in the second parable as a pearl of great Value, a pearl of great price, something so precious and so valuable. Notice what the merchant has been doing. He's been seeking fine pearls. And these pearls, these pearls are laid out in contrast to the one pearl of great value. And these pearls are the things of this world. And everyone in this world is seeking them. Everyone esteems them. Everyone in this world values them. And it is a litmus test. It's a litmus test of what you are seeking after and what you value. And these fine pearls, they can be anything. They can be riches, physical riches in this life, money. They can be honor. It can be knowledge in and of itself. It can be status. It can be the approval of others. It can be recognition. It can be their approval. But when you find this one pearl, when you find this one pearl, notice, notice the merchant has been seeking these fine pearls. But when he finds this one pearl of great value, the kingdom of heaven, of Christ and his kingdom, notice that this pearl, this one pearl, captured all of his attention. It captured all of his attention. Everything else faded away. Everything else paled in comparison. Everything else became to him worthless. In the book of Philippians, Paul says this, and it's like Paul has this very parable in mind when he says these words in Philippians 3. He says this, But whatever was to my profit... And these are all the things that he's saying he could have earned under the law. His circumcision, obedience in doing all the sacrifices, 
as a Pharisee persecuting the church. All of these things, burning incense, his prayers, all his sacrifices, he says this, but whatever was to my prophet, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish. And that word there literally means dung. I consider them dung, refuse, rubbish, that I may gain Christ. He considered everything in this world as loss, everything as rubbish for the surpassing worth of Christ, that he might gain him. The more you see of Christ and living his way, the more precious he will be to you. And you will notice that the fine pearls of this life, the fine pearls which once held your esteem and value, which once held your attention, you will find that they are far less attractive. There is one pearl. There is one way to heaven. There aren't two pearls. There aren't two ways to heaven. There is one way, and that is Christ. If you seek after other pearls, if you value them above all else, you will not find the kingdom of heaven. You will not find Christ. How do you know if you value something? How do I know, you might be thinking, how do I know if I value something? Well, as I said before, it takes up your time and your money and your energy. And you make sure that you fit them in to your life and you fit your life around them. But it goes even further than that. The people you value, you, you serve them. You look out for their interests. And the things you value most and the people you value most, you think more about them. Don't you find that if you have children or you have friends or a spouse, you think about them. You think about them because they're important to you. But one of the best tests to see how much you value something is this. To gain it, you would do anything. You would do anything to get it. You would do anything to gain it. You would give up a lot. And as we will see soon, you would give up everything for example if you wanted to win a competition and this is not just any small competition it's a competition you've been planning for for years and to win this competition you can't just waltz in the door and expect to win no you train hard you you wake up early you spend time you expend energy in pursuit of this that you might win that competition so to gain it, you would do anything. And the other test, if you lose it, if you lose it, 
it would cost you everything. So to gain it, it would cost you everything in one sense. And if you lost it, it would cost you everything. For example, if you lost a family member or a loved one, if you lost them, it would cost you. It would cost you. And the thing is, the more you value something, the more you give up to gain it. And the more you would be sad and be sorrowful if you lose it. And so we can think about this when we think about the kingdom of God. And we will see more about that in a sec. So what can we do? What can we do? Firstly, we need to stop valuing the things of this world too much. It says in 1 Timothy that God richly provides us things in this life with everything to enjoy. And yet, everything must be kept in its proper place. If you value the things of this life too highly, you will value Christ too little. So often our hearts, even as Christians, long after the things of this world. So often they value the things of this world so much. And yet we must do everything in our power to stop valuing the things of this world too much. And we will look at what that looks like in the next section. But we must also not only stop valuing the things of this world too much but we must value Christ and his kingdom ever more if you think about the tests to know how you value something if you think about them in relation to Christ have a think now as I go through them again and think about them in terms of your relationship to Christ and friends it is hard it is so hard Does the Lord Jesus Christ and the priorities that he has laid out in his word, do they take up your time and your energy and your money? Do you make sure that you fit in him in your life? Indeed, do you center your entire life around him? Do you serve him in all that you do? Do you look out for his interests above your own? Do you dwell upon him and think about him? And to gain him... To know him more, would you do anything? Would you do anything? And if you lost him, if you lost him, would that cost you everything? Would that cost you everything? Friends, my own heart knows only too well how much I value the things of this world and how little I value Christ. Christ himself said, seek first the kingdom his righteousness. He said, do not lay out for yourselves treasures on this earth, but lay out for yourselves treasures in heaven. How do we do this? How do we value Christ more fully? Firstly, we need to decide. We need to decide that we will value him far more. We need to realize that he is worth far much more 
infinitely more than anything else and we need to decide that we will value him far much more than anything else. Secondly, we must meditate and think about and dwell on his nature, his nature and his character, who he is and what he's done, that he might become more precious and valuable to us every day. And thirdly, we must ask the Lord to help us not only to make us see him more, but to make him more and more precious to us every day. Thirdly, we see the cost of the kingdom. We've seen the nature of the kingdom and we've seen the value of the kingdom. How valuable this kingdom is, most supremely because of its king. But thirdly, we will see the cost of the kingdom, what it will cost to be part of this kingdom. Have a look at the second parts of verse 44 and 46. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Verse 46. He went away. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything that he had and bought it. This is the cost. To give up Everything. To give up everything. If you place them on a pair of scales, the kingdom of God and everything in this world, everything you own, who you are, your life, your dreams, ambitions, every single thing you own and have and all that you are, if you weighed them up in the balance, in the Bible's estimation, there's no competition. It's not even a competition. It's not even a fair fight. But so often we lose sight of this. So often it's hard. Things on this earth seem so close. They're visible, they're here and now. But we must look to the things which are unseen, as the Bible said, things which are eternal, things which we hope for, things which we have in part now but we will have in full in the future. The cost to give up everything is also a prerequisite to the kingdom. Jesus said these words, So therefore... Any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Jesus here is not speaking in grey. He's not speaking in ambiguous terms. It's black and white. If you have not done this, you cannot be his disciple. We must renounce all that we have. You must give up everything. You must give up your worldly ambitions. You must give up your marriage, your friends, your family, your job your degree, your, your pride, your desires, your thoughts, your actions, your decisions, your holidays, your children. Everything. What is sinful must be forsaken. And what isn't sinful must be surrendered and submitted to him. What is sinful must be forsaken. But what isn't sinful 
must be surrendered and submitted to him. What he wants comes first. Your desires and wants and ambitions, I have to tell you, are not first. His are. If you love a certain TV show but it contains sexually explicit content, you probably need to turn it off. Christ said, cut off your hand or foot in order to avoid temptation. He didn't mean literally, but he said, whatever you do, it must be radical. Paul said, you must flee sexual immorality. It doesn't matter if you like the show. Christ comes first. I'm not going to tell you specifically what you can and cannot watch in terms of TV shows, but everything must be submitted to Christ. For the rich young ruler who came to Jesus, he needed to physically sell all that he had and give it because it was an idol that separated him from God. Christ diagnosed his problem and told him the solution. And really what Christ is saying is you must surrender all that you have and all that you are to him and to his priorities and to his desires. But don't some people have to give up more? Don't some people have to give up more to follow the kingdom? What about me? I've, I've grown up in a Christian family. I didn't have to give up much. Some people, it is true, may be more living in sinful lifestyles, whereas others may be brought up with morals. They may be unsaved but brought up with morals. But the cost doesn't change. Paul the Apostle was brought up with morals. He was brought up with strict observance, observance to the law in everything. If you think that you were a good person... Paul was a far, far more outwardly righteous person than you. But either way, the cost doesn't change. If you need, as it says, to give up something, an adulterous lifestyle or whatever it is, or to give up your self-righteousness and works, it doesn't change. You must give up everything. But surely doesn't this mean that I earn the kingdom somehow if I give up everything and I, 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 I contribute a small part to it? If you understood firstly how valuable the kingdom is, you wouldn't think that. You would think that not in a million years could your best deeds and works, everything you give up, you would not think that it could even purchase a very small, even, even a little part of the kingdom. But when you realize how worthless your deeds are before God outside of Christ, when, you're, when you realize, as Isaiah said, that all his righteous deeds, this was a prophet, all our righteous deeds are like filthy rags before God. They're nothing. If we understand how valuable the kingdom is and how we... How, how, how worthless our deeds are before God. We know we cannot earn it. That by works of the Lord, no one will be justified in his sight. That we're like poor beggars just holding out our hands. But this kingdom. But note the cause of his giving up. Note the cause of his giving up 
everything. Verse 44. Then in his joy. If it didn't have that, it would still be right that we had to give up, that we have to give up everything for the kingdom. But it puts, Christ has put that in there to show us it is not just, it is not just a, a rational weighing up of how much the kingdom is worth and thinking, okay, sure, I'll give up everything and get the kingdom. That's worth far much more. No, it's in, it's in joy. When you find the treasure, when you find the pearl of great value, it produces joy. And every Christian may struggle with joy, and yet it is there. It is there. The joy that we have when we first found Christ. The joy that we have, and sometimes we do not know when we are Christians, when we became Christians. And yet we have a joy that is found in the Lord. Sometimes it can seem to go, it can fade, and yet we must have it. And for the joy, he sells all that he has. Why joy? Because he's been freed from the endless, tiring cycle of trying to work his way to heaven. Because he's been freed from searching after the pearls of this world. And from being a slave to the kingdom of Satan. And joy because he's found a pearl of infinite price. He's found Christ and his kingdom. This is blessed indeed. This kingdom. How could we not give up everything? How could we not give up everything? But friends, the world will think you're foolish. The world will think you're foolish. Why would you give up everything? Why would you give up your time and your energy? Why would you, why would you give up your evenings? Your answer? For Christ. For Christ. But why? Because he's worth it. He's worth it. Sometimes, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes there are areas of our life that we want to hold on to. Think about it this way. Sometimes our our lives are like a house. And Christ can live in our house. And he can walk around. And he can sit down. And he can um, do whatever he wants in our house. But sometimes we've partitioned off, if you like, a section of the house. That's separate. That's our secret place where he can have all of the house except that little bit. Friends, you must have every single part. You must have every single part of your life. If you look inside your heart and you see areas not fully submitted, do it. Do it. I'm not saying these words to, to make you despair. They're meant to drive you and encourage you to do it. Because when you do it, you will have joy. So, we must seek, we must first seek, as I said before, 
earnestly seek and search after this kingdom of Christ and all he is. Seek to know him more and and seek to understand the riches that are found in him more. To value him. Do not esteem the world and the things of this world so greatly, but value him and, and value Christ so much more. And thirdly, give up all and renounce all that we have and all that we are in, to him. For indeed, giving up everything that we are and all that we have, the truth is we gain far much more. Jim Elliot said this, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. May the Lord help us to do these things that by all means we might gain Christ. If you sit here and you do not have a personal, intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, firstly, count the cost to come. It will cost you everything. You will no longer be able to seek after your own pleasures your own sin, your own priorities. You will no longer be able to occupy the throne of your life. You must give it all up. Everything. But count the cost if you do not come. If you do not come. If you do not, there is a day when there's a day coming when the treasure that you have gathered in this life, worldly treasure, which will just crumble away. It will come to nothing. When the true treasure, the hidden treasure of of Christ, the pearl of great price, when it will be lost forever. When you stand before Christ, the judge of all the earth, he will say, why did you reject me? I offered myself so freely. I have told you. I have told you how valuable this kingdom is. I offered you everything. Yet you would gain the whole world and lose your soul. Depart from me, for I never knew you. You have never come to see the treasure. You have never come to see the pearl of infinite price. Do not delay. Do not delay. Ask God to show you. To show you how valuable his son is. I offer you this day the most valuable offer you will ever receive in your life. The treasure. The pearl of infinite value. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Lord, Lord Jesus Christ, you are worth everything. You are worth everything. Lord, so often we we go about in this life barely thinking of you, barely valuing you, so often thinking of the things of this world. And yet, O Lord, I thank you that we have comfort in your word of how precious you are, of how precious your kingdom is. 
that indeed if we would give up everything, we would gain far much more. Lord Jesus Christ, you are precious. You are precious indeed. Far more than we can ever think or know or comprehend. Oh Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that you would become ever more precious to us each and every day. Oh Lord, my words here may may have shaken the hearts of those sitting here. But Lord, I pray that they would also be comforted when they think about how great you are. That you have indeed revealed yourself to them. That they have, that they have given up things, they've given up everything to have the pearl of great price, to have you. Lord, I pray that they would be comforted in the fact, in the knowledge that they have you. And if they have you, O Lord, they have everything. O gracious Father, please comfort all of our hearts, knowing that we have you. Indeed, Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you. Oh, what infinite joy it is that we should have you, our great and blessed Lord, that even though we were unworthy, that you would show us such great mercy that you would give yourself to us freely. Oh Lord, please, please help us to see what a great and precious gift we have in you each and every day. And we pray these things only only in your name and by your intercession, for your glory.